Have you always wanted to have a program on the radio? If you can talk on the phone, you can have your very own program on Holy Ghost Radio 2. You can produce your program or we can help you produce it. For more information, tap on the ad panel on our app or contact us through our website, www.holyghostradio.com. The following program is brought to you by an independent producer. The opinions expressed on the program do not necessarily reflect those of the staff, management, or ownership of Holy Ghost Radio. Begin to be poured out upon all men. <laughs> this is there, spoken by the prophet Joel. This is there, spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, I pour out my spirit, save the Lord. Pastor Bob, the Tell It Like It Is radio broadcast. Good to have you with us tonight. You are listening to a live broadcast, October 4th, 2020. And we are so glad that you're with us. I just want to identify who I am. Pastor Bob Simons, the pastor of the New Life Pentecostal Church in Dickinson, North Dakota. And we are, our next service is Wednesday night at 730-501 Elks Drive. And we will be mentioning that as we go along. If you're listening online tonight to Holy Ghost Radio or the KDIX website, um, we, you know, this is an AM station we broadcast on. Our emphasis is always to reach the people locally here, but we're glad that everyone is tuned in from all over the place. You can uh, text me tonight to let me know you're listening, 701-290-7862. Also, if you're outside the country and you want to email me, it's robertsimons58 at gmail.com. Now, we've had a real treat the last week in our church, starting last Sunday all the way through this Sunday. We've had a, a good friend of our church, uh, Brother Alfred Deeds, who 
uh, pastored many, many years in Buchanan, Michigan, still lives there. His son is the pastor now, might be listening to us, his son Paul. It might be listening to us. And last week, Brother Deeds, we call it, we call him Brother Deeds, they call him Elder Deeds. We just, um, uh, we just, like I say, a very, one of our, our church's favorite preachers to have come in. He, um, didn't feel like being on the radio last week and we talked about it and, um, and I think we've got him talked into this week being with us. And I want to just introduce him, uh, Brother Deeds. We're so glad to have you with us tonight and, uh, just are excited. Why don't you, um, kind of introduce yourself? Tell us our many, of course, many people listening on Holy Ghost Radio probably know who you are, but many people in this area do not know who you are. So go ahead and just tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, thank you, Brother Simonson. Praise the Lord, everybody. And you in the Dickinson area, if you've never took the time to stop by New Life Pentecostal Church, uh, your education is not complete until you stop by the Dickinson uh, New Life Pentecostal Church. It is very much a, a lively, growing church, and you will find a warm, warm welcome there. As Brother Simon's already said, I'm Pastor Deeds from Buchanan, Michigan, and i uh, been in the ministry since I was 20 years old, and I'm 78, so i got a couple years behind me. But I am so thankful for the power of the Holy Ghost. It is a life-changing experience. And I can tell you, uh, when I was 20 years old, I was in a watch night service during the song service and wasn't saved. And my wife, sitting next to me, was singing the songs of Zion. The next thing, the Lord come down and touched her. And she started speaking a language we couldn't understand. We interpret that as being the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And wouldn't you know it, it jumped on me, I think, because I got it that same night, and it's made a great change in my life. You know, um, we talk about do we really believe in God or believe in prophecy or, or the foreknowledge of God? I can tell you in my own personal life, my... I'm the third child of nine, and the first two were girls. And my mother was uh, probably six months or so along carrying me, and a preacher came through our city, called her out of the audience, and told her she'd have a male child, and in time, he would pastor in that same city. Well, I happened to be that male child and did end up pastoring in that same city. Uh, so I'm convinced in the foreknowledge of God, and God can tell things in the future. Although I want to make it clear, we don't believe in predestination. Anybody can fail God. Now, I don't know for sure where to start all of this. Uh, with us having nine of us siblings in a little bitty house, uh, I can tell you what happened in a civics class in high school, they started showing slides on the screen, and and the teacher was saying, uh, we got some slums in our city that we really need to do something about, see if we can't come up with a solution here today that we can maybe present to the town council. And the first slide that came up on that screen was the house I was living in with the rest of us kids. And somebody yelled out in the classroom, said, Al, isn't that your house? And uh, I said, yes. And the teacher was so embarrassed, he shut the projector down and apologized publicly to me, not knowing I lived in that house. So that was kind of the background, you know, where your picture of the house you live in comes up on one of the homes they feel was a disgrace to the city. Well, that didn't stop there. <laughs> One day, headlights hit our little congregation there, and, and uh, the pastor just knew it. it had to be my sisters that brought it and asked my dad not to ever bring us dirty kids back to the, the assembly, to the church. And, of course, my daddy, he... He got saved there in the very first revival that was ever there. And Dad told him, he said, you'll have to get the law to get me out of here. I'm here to stay. I'm planted like a tree by the river. I'm here. And 
We kept going to church there and come to find out the headlights was from a total other different family that was very prestigious family, but uh, that's where it came from. But anyhow, long story short, that's basically my childhood was kind of raised poor, and I had this thought in my mind many a times laying on my bed, someday I'm going to be a millionaire and make our name a name that is respected in our city and people look up to it. It was a, I know it's a carnal desire, but I had it. And God, God in His foreknowledge of things and how He does things, uh, He allowed me to get connected with a very wealthy man that had a booming business. And somehow at 16, I started working there on the weekends. Next thing I know, I'm managing that business at 18. And the Lord just allowed it to unfold in a way that my wife and I had a brand new home when we got married. You know, things were going great for us. But then this thing called the calling of God. And God called me to preach. And I didn't know what to do with that. You know, the business took so much time, and preaching takes time, and and God gave me a dream. And in the dream, he said, told me to ask a question to the owner of the business the next day. And if he answered a certain way, uh, you just walk. If he answers another way, you stay. And I thought, wow, Lord, this is a dream. Maybe I ate too much pizza or something, you know. But anyhow, uh, the next day I asked him the question, and he answered it word for word. The way the Lord said, if he answers it that way, uh, you walk. And so I told him, I said, I'm walking. He said, you know, that house is in my name. I said, I know. And I said, I'll be out in two days and not knowing where to go. And uh, and I left. And as I was walking away, he said, uh, they called me Junior. I said, Junior, you don't know it, but everything you asked for me to do today in writing is already in writing, and it's already filed. But if I can get to St. Joe, talk to my lawyer, it'll be changed yet today. you just walking away from $2 million. And I... I said to myself, devil, I'm not for sale. And I kept on walking. And that's how I started out in the ministry, walking away from that prestige of that job and the money and the home, the whole nine yards. And God has never failed me. From that day on, he's had his hand on our lives, and we've been blessed and blessed and blessed. Little did I know shortly after all that transpired, uh, my pastor had a cerebral hemorrhage and God called him home. I was 24 years old and uh, the church asked me to fill in at 24. <laughs> Didn't know which end was up hardly. And I'd done that for six months uh, or more and was voted in as the pastor. And... Uh, had a revival, and the evangelist that was there had a vision that God was going to let him build a new church in this city. And three nights in a row, the Lord talked to me and said, you need to turn this over to this brother and let him build that church that he had in his vision. And I told him after three nights, I was stepping down. He says, you you understand uh, my name was in that same uh Uh, and with your name the night they voted on a new pastor and you got all the votes I I didn't get a one it won't happen I said if I talk to him it'll happen and sure enough they voted him in he built a brand new building beautiful uh, sanctuary and Sunday school area and uh, then five years later uh, he had a brain tumor and uh, had to step aside and eventually passed away in the meantime, during that five years, I went to Marquette, Michigan. And I'm, I'm gonna just, I want to hear this Marquette, Mich- Michigan story, but we're going to play a, a song right now. This is Brother Alfred Deeds from Buchanan, Michigan. And we've got a lot of people texting tonight. 
I um, I like these some of these stories, folks. Um, when he has come to our church, he's told us many of these stories, and I love the stories about Marquette. I just want to give a shout-out to the people listening. We've got Lori in Southheart. Uh, we've got Brother Rose in Kentucky, Brother Fuller listening somewhere up on a lake. Uh, probably, I don't know what he's doing up there, just fishing and enjoying life. Brother Schuler listening in Grafton. Uh, Sister Bretz is back from Oklahoma. We've got some Gingriches down in Yuma, Arizona listening. Some stoners listening east of Dickinson. Uh, we've got Danica and Silas tuned in tonight. Carl and his wife Jeannie listening. And then Yvonne and uh, Marin from Bowman listening. They were in our service down there. We're going to play a old Lance Appleton song. We're going to come right back with some more Tell It Like It Is radio show with Brother Alfred Deeds. I find my refuge in the Lord. He's going to see me through. I find my refuge in the Lord. He's going to see me through. Well, it's so simple, it's easy. Been working since the world was new. Find my refuge in the Lord, He's gonna see me through. I find my refuge in the Lord, He's gonna see me through. Well, it's so simple, it's easy, just follow what He says to do. Jesus said to Nicodemus, he's going to say to you, cause what he said to Nicodemus, well it sure is true, you got to be born of the water, got to be born of the spirit too. Appleton song called Heartwarming, and I do like the harmonica in that song. But we've got in the studio with us a special guest, Pastor Alfred Deeds from Buchanan, Michigan, and uh, he's been ministering to our church. We've seen we've had some great services, and we wanted him to come on the air and just talk a little bit about his life and the ministry that God has given him. And when I cut you off, you were talking about uh, getting ready to go to Marquette. How did how did that transpire? How did how did you? Uh, Start feeling the call to go up in that area. Well, the brother Place was up there and had opened the building up there, and he had a, a little group following him then, and wanted me to come preach a Labor Day service for him. And I went up there, and then after I preached one night, he said, "Well, I'm leaving, and I'm going to tell them tonight to vote you in." Well, they did, but that group never came back, and so uh, we was there with a the building and no people. And for 18 solid months, 
Uh, I preached to my family and a few neighbor kids, and uh, that was it. And then one night, one night, uh, I got a call from West Virginia, and uh, it was Brother Garlitz on the phone. And he said, uh, Brother Deeds, God spoke to me to come to Marquette. There's a revival in your city. And I explained to him, I said, Elder, uh, I have no people, no money, you know, whatever. I had a fairly good job. Uh, so I said, I can pay you my tithing and offerings, but that won't even buy your gas to get up here. He said, you just promise me whatever comes in the offering plate, you'll get me. I said, well, I can do that, but I can tell you right now, Elder, uh, you better pack a lunch. There's nobody here. And he, he said, Brother Deeds, I know I heard from God. Well, he left Kaiser, West Virginia, got as far as Somerset, Pennsylvania, and his car started knocking and, and just giving him all kinds of problems, and he pulled into a garage there. And the mechanic there happened to be Bishop Canarian, and he was still working a mechanic's job before the, his church got big enough to self-support him. And he worked on the car a little bit, and it still wasn't right. And Brother Garlett said, well, let's pray for it, Brother Canary, and let's pray for it. And they put motor oil on the air filter of that old car and prayed for it, and it quit knocking, ran smooth. And I know that sounds totally stupid, but I'm telling you, uh, years later, I was preaching in Somerset, and that pastor, he said, I'll tell you a story you'll never believe, Brother Deeds. And he told me about Brother Garlitz coming in there and praying for that car. And it ran. He said, he took that thing all the way up to the Upper Peninsula and preached a revival. I guess it was a great revival, outpouring of the Holy Ghost. And drove it back and gave it to his boy. And he drove it two more years, even dragged race with it. And he said, man, God healed that car. <laughs> anyway, when he got all done with his story, I said, Bishop Canarian, would you believe I'm the man he preached for? And he said, oh, come on. I said, I'm the man. And so when Brother Garlitz finally got to Marquette, he told me about the incident with his car and uh, whatever. But that day that he was supposed to arrive, my wife was going to fix a nice supper for him, and she uh, was missing one ingredient. I don't even remember what it was. Well, I was uh, a manager over stocking the Red Owl store and over all the carryout boys. That was my job. It was a good job. Red Owl treated me great. And so I never shopped only at Red Owl, but this other store, Value Land or something, I don't even remember the name of it. It's been 50 years now. <laughs> anyway, uh, uh, I stopped there to get it, and while I was in there getting what my wife needed, I ran into a man that was having house meetings in another city nearby, and I told him I had a preacher coming that night, and I said, you know, Richard, I, I don't have anybody yet, nobody. I said, I've been here 18 months, and I ain't had no luck, man. You know, it's bad news here. And uh, he says, you know, I'll think about it. I may be there tonight. Well, long story short, he got a hold of everybody in that house meeting they were having, and uh, they showed up, and five received the Holy Ghost that night. We baptized them. Next night, more got the Holy Ghost. And next night, more got the Holy Ghost. 34 or 37, I'm not positive the number anymore. It was in the 30s that received that Holy Ghost and got baptized. And I was preaching up in that same church just oh, last summer. And I asked the pastor if I could ask the people to stand that they were either in that revival or they was an offspring from someone that got the Holy Ghost in that revival. Well, I think it was right at 70 people stood up and how God had saved their parents or their grandparents and whatever, all because of that revival. And uh, in that revival, somehow those men apparently had saved up their tithing and to build a new building for their house meetings, and they started putting that money in every night. I didn't even count it. Honest, I didn't even look at it. I just took the baskets and gave them to Brother Garlitz, and uh, he took the money and, and, you know, whatever. And 
just before Brother Garlitz passed away, I called him about two days before he passed away and to check on him to see how he was doing. And he said, Brother Deeds, do you know to this day that was the largest revival money I've ever received in a revival. I have never matched that offering. And here you was concerned about me just having enough gas to get there or gas money. But God provided. And he said, man, how many of them are still saved? I said, Brother Garlitz, just about everybody that got saved in that revival are still there in that church. And they're solid, solid members. I tell you, God's a good God. Let me give you one story in that revival. Uh, Brother Garlitz, he was a kind of a straightforward West Virginia preacher. And he was up there preaching one night about adultery being wrong. And he was really nailing it. And this big old boy stood up. He And he'd been known to uh, fight and take four guys at one time. And, and I was warned if he shows up... His name was Lloyd's. If Lloyd shows up, handle him with kid gloves. He'll, he'll knock you down, leave you there to wake up later. And he stood up and I just knew, uh oh, he's going to hit this preacher. And he started to walk toward the, the podium and he fell flat on his face in the center aisle and started yelling out, God, he's got my number. God, he's got my number. I'm guilty. Forgive me, God. I'm guilty. He received the Holy Ghost before he made it to the altar. Now, Lloyd's 81 years old now, or 82. He's still in that church, faithful as a clock. I'm telling you, when God does it, he does it right. And so that's one example that happened in that revival. We even baptized a couple preachers of another denomination in that particular revival. And right after that, an Air Force boy knocked on my door about 10 o'clock at night and wanted to know if I'd baptize in Jesus' name if he brought visitors from the air base. I said, well, that's the only way I know the baptize. That's the Bible way. And that's how you obey Matthew twenty-eight nineteen. His name was Keith, and Keith said, well, I tell you what, Brother Deeds, I'm going to bring a carload to church. He said, you be ready. And so he he did. I don't know how he done it, but he showed up with a, a bunch of GIs from K.I. Sawyer. My, they started getting the Holy Ghost out there. And uh, we started, that church began to get full. And, of course, you know, Vietnam was going on at the time. And... Uh, one day, I looked out there on a Sunday morning. We was minus about 30 uh, soldiers that wasn't there that morning. And, and I asked another soldier, I said, what's going on? What happened to all these ones that just got the Holy Ghost within the last month? said they got shipped to Vietnam yesterday with no form warning. Just one of those. Uh, it was a, a squadron there that done the bombing. Sometimes they'd fly from this side all the way over there and drop bombs and come back. But this time they was just taking them to another air base closer to do their flying. And I lost 34 soldiers in one weekend that got shipped to Vietnam. But God in his mercy started bringing them in, bringing them in. We even had the assistant chaplain come in and get the Holy Ghost and get baptized. And, and just things like that just happening and happening. And one night I got up to preach and uh, it was a Sunday night and it was full. The auditorium was totally full. And uh, I had a, a vision earlier uh, that God was going to fill the building and, and he had the color decor would, was in my dream. Blue carpet down the center aisle, dark walnut pews. And at the time of the vision, we had, if I remember, theater seats. and uh, or I can't even remember. I'm getting old, I guess. But anyhow, we bought those, didn't buy those pews. We got them from a church fire across town and cut them down and put new ends on them. And that's what was there. And then that vision came back to me. And God said, this is your Last service, this pastor resigned at the end of this service. Well, man, we worked so hard to see that church full. And I kept wrestling that in my mind. And and uh, uh, finally I said yes to the Lord. And, and I stopped the service and t- 
told the church that I, God told me to go back to Bethel tonight, and I'm going to do it. And I said, don't worry. And I don't know why I said it. A man will call me tonight and say he's going to pastor this church. And about 1 o'clock in the morning, a preacher called me. And the first thing he said when I answered the phone, Deeds, God told me to take your church. And he came, took the church, and I went back to Bethel. And I think Brother Simons wants a break about now. God bless you. I want to, uh, because it, it seems like a natural place to, to take a break, because I, I'm really, I've always liked that story, Brother Deeds, about how even before you knew that Bethel would vote you in, you resigned the church. Did your wife think you were crazy at that moment? Or? I think she was homesick. <laughs> okay. Well, we're going to play a little song. Um, got a lot of people texting me tonight. Uh, and uh, we got Jody from up in Harvey. She said, I love Brother Deeds. Now, that's Brother Walter's granddaughter, Jody. And uh, we've got some Hostetlers listening, Brother Johnson listening in. Text me tonight, 701-290-7862. Appleton stuff. That stuff is old, old music. Good to have you with us for the Tell It Like It Is radio show. A lot of people texting in tonight. A lot of you know Brother Deeds. Uh, Sister Rody from Valley City 
Uh, he he said you that is a good girl. That's what he said. So she's kind of an old older woman now, but she's not a girl. But but he uh, apparently knew her from back in Michigan. Is that correct? And she's listening tonight in Valley City, and all the rest of you. So thankful that you're listening. We've got Brother Alfred Deeds here uh, from Buchanan, Michigan, telling us some stories. Uh, uh, I've enjoyed so much, and and everybody. Um, uh, we just came from my son's house out in the country, and. Sitting around the table, he was telling us some of these stories, some of these stories of old evangelists and operating in the gifts of the Spirit and so on. But where we cut off last time, he would had just told the church in Marquette, just got that church up to a big church. God spoke to him said to turn the church over to somebody else, go back to Buchanan and be the pastor there, but you had no guarantees that you would ever be the pastor there. So why don't you kind of tell us about that? Yeah, back then I must have had more faith than I do now, I guess, because we rented a U-Haul truck and loaded all of our furniture up and came back to Buchanan and pulled into my mother's driveway with that U-Haul and uh, contacted the presbyter of the section, told him I wanted my name back in the Buchanan church because the pastor there had had that brain tumor and and got disabled with it, and eventually it took him. And uh, the presbyter said, you know, Brother Deeds, things have changed in five years. You're not the man they want anymore. Uh, when you left, they it, they just put a taste in them they don't want. And they said, uh, one guy on the board agreed to let your name run because you were raised in this church as a child. And he said, but I'm telling the whole board's against you. But being that one man talked so favorably of at least letting your name run, they're doing it. And he said, I, I'm offering you right now to be our youth pastor, and I'll put you on our payroll, and you'll preach there Sunday night as I introduce you as our new youth pastor. And I said, Elder, it's not going to happen. I appreciate the great offer, but I'm going to be pastor at Buchanan Sunday night. And he said, it won't happen, I'm telling you. Well, make a long story short, (laughs) a bunch of the church people that was conspiring against me being the pastor, I guess, went to the same restaurant to eat. And there was something, some sort of food poisoning or something, they all got it that afternoon, and, and they had... Uh, diarrhea is so bad, I'm using the wrong word on radio, but anyhow, uh, stomach <laughs> disorder, uh, they couldn't show up for the election. Well, in our organization, there's no absentee ballots. You're either present or your, your vote isn't counted. There was seven families that couldn't come back that night, so uh, I don't know how many votes that consisted of, because husband and wife and children that are over 16 i think that's how the bylaws read anyway i got in by one vote and i preached my first sermon there that sunday night and uh, none of them ever ever came back to even hear me preach much less sit under me but god in his mercy he granted us a revival and we had revival and revival and and right away one of the first revivals uh, the superintendent of uh, Michigan now, Brother David Trammell, uh, was an evangelist about 19 years old, and and he come to preach for us, and we started having good revival, people getting the Holy Ghost. And one Friday night, I, there wasn't hardly any people out there; uh, everybody was going to the mall. And so I turned to him during the song service. I said, let's shut her down. Let's go to the mall, too. He said, no, God gave me a message, Brother Deeds. God gave me a message. Somebody could get saved tonight. Well, seven people got the Holy Ghost that night. And one of them was uh, the pastor that's there now. was his mother and father-in-law was two of them that got the Holy Ghost there that night. And now their little daughter was probably four years old or whatever she was is the first lady at Bethel. God has a way of working things out. And to this day, Brother Trammell lets me know how spiritual he was and how carnal I was. And and I agree, uh, that particular night I wasn't too happy. But at the end of it, I was real, real happy. And so things like that began to unfold there at Buchanan. And shortly after that, uh, 
the uh, neighboring church asked me if our choir, because our church had grown and we had a real good choir, and uh, asked me if our choir could come by and sing for them for a money raising thing for their uh, ladies auxiliary. They call it the nurses. It was a Baptist church, and uh, I said, "Well, if you let me preach, I may let my choir sing." And uh, they called me back a few days later and said, "Elder." Uh, the, the deacons agreed to let you preach, and uh, so your choir comes and sings, and you preach, and I said, okay, no problem. So I preached on the new birth, and uh, and water and spirit, and the spirit being the infilling of the Holy Ghost. And why I was preaching, the assistant pastor stands up, and I thought, oh, he's shutting me down, but he lifted his hands and God filled him with the Holy Ghost, speaking in tongues in a Baptist church. Next thing I know, there's four people, you know, uh, doing the same thing. Four got the Holy Ghost in that service that night. Well, they wouldn't let me baptize them there. <laughs> you know, they I had to take them to our church to baptize them. Uh, and, man, they started showing up on our church nights. When the dust settled, we had... In the 60s, I'm thinking it was 68, but I'm not positive on that number. Is in the 60s, of the people that received the Holy Ghost and the revelation of the mighty God in Christ and were baptized in Jesus' name out of our choir singing and me preaching in a Baptist church. The Baptist pastor came over one day and was talking to me, and he said, Brother Dees, that ain't right. I said, Elder, you tell me right now, you'll start preaching people. The new birth is the infilling of the Holy Ghost evidence was speaking in tongues, and baptism is in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. I'll send every one of them back. He said, I'll never preach that. I said, I'll never send them back. Anyhow, there's some pastors that came out of that revival. That's how revival began to start in Buchanan. Oh, yeah, later on, you know, during that scenario, one of the uh, ladies that got the Holy Ghost during that revival, her brother um, didn't like her uh, becoming Pentecostal. And he he was doing things that weren't exactly right. I won't go into that detail, but he showed up one night. And we had a wall-to-wall church that night as far we built our new building. And uh, he told the usher, go up and tell that preacher and my brother-in-law, I got a gift for him tonight. And uh, he, the usher came up and gave us the note, you know. And I showed it to, to Brother Joe and... Uh, <laughs> Joe shook his head and said, that ain't good. He said, I know he's carrying tonight. He's going to shoot us sometime tonight. <laughs> and I thought, ah, Joe, that'll never happen. Not in church. Well, I didn't get too excited until we stood up for to do something. And when we stood up, his sport coat flew open. And he had a shoulder a strap on with a nice-looking gun laying there. And then I got nervous. And I said, I told Joe, you stay in front of me, let him get you first. Anyway, long story short, I thought, well, maybe if I let his sister sing, maybe it'll cool cool him down a little bit. And so we had her sing a special, and she could sing. And and the Holy Ghost came in that meeting, and boy, (laughs) he started melting back there. So as soon as she got done singing, I said, this would be a good time for us to just walk around and greet all of our guests and welcome them to Bethel tonight. So I, I went back there and shook his hand and hugged him. I felt that pistol on my up against my chest, and, but that never got any closer than that. <laughs> he just melted later on. Uh, after service that night, he said, well, I, I can tell my sis has got a hold of the real thing. And that ended that threat. And uh, God was so good to us. He's so kind. And uh, I, I remember uh, when I was a child in that same church when we was down by the creek, uh, my dad was disciplining him, make me sit with the old women because I'd done something stupid. And uh, I was sitting up there with them old sisters, and uh, one of them had a withered hand. And uh, during the worship service, she had her hands up praising God like we do in a Pentecostal church. And I watched that withering hand open up right in front of me. And, man, the church, we had we had church that night. That was a great miracle. And I told Daddy afterwards, I said, Dad, I'll tell you, I'll never doubt the power of prayer 
and God's healing ability. I saw that with my own eyes. I was right beside her, or not beside her, right behind her, right directly behind her, and saw that hand open up. And, of course, she was an older saint, and and she died with all the functions of that hand, just like any other person would. And that was the start of me believing in miracles. And one day, uh, a missionary and I was at the mall in South Bend, which is our neighboring city. And uh, we come out of the mall, and this lady comes flying into that mall parking lot, screaming, man, just screaming. And uh, and then I told uh, the missionary who was with me, I said, man, uh, I don't know. Let's get out of here. I don't want to get involved in all this. This don't look good. And she pulled up right beside us and yelled at me and got my attention. You go call 911. I need 911. My baby's dying. And long story short there, I went in and and called 911, and uh, and the ambulance said they'd be there as quick as they could. And I went back out of the mall, and by that time she had that child laying on the sidewalk. It was in the summertime, and it was blue. It had turned blue already. And then it dawned on me, uh, you know, you are a preacher, and you have seen miracles. Uh, Pray for this child. Yeah, a dead child. So... I fought that in my mind for a moment or two, and then I asked the mother to get her calmed down. She was pretty hysterical. I said, ma'am, 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 will you please let me just pray for your baby? I I believe in the power of prayer. She says, please, please, please. So I knelt down on that sidewalk with that child. Just me and the missionary knelt down by that child, prayed a real simple prayer put my hand on that little baby's chest and said, God, show yourself strong to this mother and this group of people that's gathered there by now. That baby sneezed just like it was when Paul prayed. Sneezed again. And it was about three or four years old. It set up. And then it stood up. And time the ambulance got there, he was grabbing his mama's leg, wanting to know what was going on. What's going on, mama? What was going what happened, God raised him from the dead. And uh, that happened, I'm telling you. And the missionary asked him, what are we going to do? I said, let's slip out of here as quick as we can. I don't want nobody to know our name. This is the power of God. Not the power of my prayer or your prayer or anybody else's. It's the power of God. Let's let God have the glory. And I told the mothers, we walked away, just give God the glory. And boy, she is lifting her hands, thanking the Lord. And so was, I don't know how many people. They gathered a pretty good crowd around by then. And they were all teary-eyed and thanking God. And we disappeared in the crowd. I'm going to turn it back to the elder for another break. Well, this um, I'm not going to play another song, no. But I, I, this is if you're just tuning in late, this is Pastor Bob, the Tell It Like It Is radio show. And we've had a special speaker all week with us starting last Sunday through this Sunday. And, and we... Um, Love Brother Deeds. We love his ministry and uh, s- several reasons we love him. We love, he didn't really do any holiness preaching. I was kind of wishing you would at our church. But he, um, he, he talks a lot about miracles. He talks a lot about, uh, you know, just faith and so on. It really encourages people. And then also just one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet. I mean, just, I've, I've, I've heard um, so many people in the Michigan area that will say that even though people were plenty mad at you for some of the stands you took on holiness, that everybody still liked you. So I don't know if you even have any enemies. I'm not sure if you do, but but I appreciate that. I I you know before we um, uh, before I start giving the announcements at the end of the program, uh, just some other things, uh, brother Deeds. I know you've told us some stories, just some more of recent miracles. Uh, just uh, your church, uh, just. A few weeks ago, you were able to start having church services again. lady came in with a, a, a heart issue. Why don't you just tell us that? This was four, four weeks ago today, I believe, if my memory serves me right. A young lady in our church in her 40s has already had one open heart surgery and a stent, I think. But anyway, she had some severe blockage. And uh, the doctor did let her come to church that Sunday instead of keeping her in the hospital, but was supposed to go back in the following day, which was Monday, and is going to do 
their final exam and then do the open heart surgery, which would have been the second one if I remember the story right. And uh, and she got prayed for that night. Actually, she was worshiping God, really having a, a good time worshiping the Lord to the point I was a little nervous, thinking, well, maybe she's going to drop over here in the church, you know. My faith wasn't too high at the time, I guess. But the pastor, he had everybody pray for and just not even put hands on her, just lean, point their hand toward her. And they did. And the next day, she went in and had those tests. And the doctor come back in after all the test was done and said, there will be no surgery. As your heart's all right. There's no blockage. Something happened between Saturday and now. And we know what it was. It's called the hand of God. Does God still do miracles today? Yes, 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 he does. He's still a miracle-working God. Now, the elder asked me if I felt comfortable to talk about the time that uh, Sister Bonnie Deeds passed away with cancer, which was uh, a terrible, terrible uh, thing that we went through back then. And... uh, Somehow or another, uh, men would tell me, uh, some of you in the Holy Ghost audience will know that a brother Billy Cole, uh, he told me when Bonnie died that God would, uh, would provide me with a companion, didn't tell me who, and also a guy by the name of brother Mitchell out of Houston, Texas told me that God would bring me through that and take care of that. Well, long story short here, uh, my wife that I married, uh, Sharon, was in the Air Force in Denver, Colorado, there at the federal prison as a MP, and uh, and she got the Holy Ghost while she was there in Denver, and, uh, and she's going to a rally with the pastor, and I think the pastor at that time was Brother Billy Hale. And uh, in Colorado Springs to hear Brother Billy Cole preach. And after the meeting and people were dismissing, I don't know if Brother Hale had the, the job to entertain and take Brother Cole to the motel and feed him or whatever, but anyhow, they were together. And all of a sudden, Brother Cole turned to my wife, and her name is Sharon Elaine. And he turned around and he said, Elaine... Cotton, God just gave me a word for you. And uh, and she was wondering how to even know my name because she'd never met him. And uh, he said, the Lord told me to tell you there's a preacher in the wings that he's saving for you. He's a pastor, and he's got a pretty good church, and that's going to be your husband. Don't give up on God. Don't be discouraged. Trust him. Seven years Later, (laughs) Sharon and I got together and got married, and I went to pick Brother Cole up for a Holy Ghost rally at the airport, and Sharon was with me, and on the way back from the airport, he turned to my wife, and the first word he said was, Colorado Springs, Elaine, do you remember me? And my wife, she was teary-eyed by then she said i was wondering if you remembered and he laughed and he said i never dreamed it would be this character <laughs> that's how brother cole and i talked you know i was a character in his eyes but anyhow uh that's how god brought sharon and i together and it and 37 years later the lord called her home with cancer and i've had a couple bumps in the road but i can tell you one thing you out there that are believers, even if you're not a believer, you just trust in God in your trial. He'll bring you through. And in this situation, I was at death's door before Sharon passed away. And at the hospital to visit Sharon, they wheeled me in a wheelchair up to see her. You know, I couldn't walk uh, my own very few steps at all. Uh, in fact, the week Prior to that, I was in that same hospital, and they thought for a while I was going to pass, but God spared me, 
And since then, he's granted me a miracle, and I'm back preaching and doing good. Uh, but uh, Sharon, you know, the Lord called her home. And it devastated me. Worse than Bonnie's, I guess. It just devastated me. And uh, and I couldn't function. I'd go to the cemetery to visit two tombstones, you know. You have two wives laying out there from that dreadful disease of cancer. And you've had a lot of miracles in your ministry. I couldn't, couldn't understand all that. So I, I got to the church and... And during that time, I couldn't even drive again. I was passing out so often they wouldn't even let me drive. Uh, that's kind of a law in our state. And uh, I got to the church and got into a prayer meeting and got into intercessory prayer. I mean, real intercessory prayer like I haven't had in so long. I was embarrassed to think it's been that long. and I'm almost embarrassed to tell you about it. And at the end of that prayer, when I came back to the realization I was in the church praying, the Lord spoke in that still small voice, I'm going to open a door for you, walk through, it'll be my perfect will for your life. And uh, and I went into the office after I settled down, and my daughter's a church secretary, and I said, Joy Daddy needs a hug, please give me a hug. And she hugged me so tight, and... Uh, Help me sit down there, and I told her I just heard from God. Trust me, Joy, it's going to be all right. I just heard from God, and uh, and then uh, ironically, Sister Place's husband had died of cancer. That was the couple that was in Marquette and reopened that building before I went there. Uh, her and I got together, and the Lord let me know. That's the door I'm open, Mary. And we're married now and happy as we can be because it's perfect will of God. God never leaves you. I don't care what denomination you are out there. God never leaves you. Uh, there's one. Let me give you another miracle. Uh, I was called by the church cha- uh, hospital chaplain one night. It's close to midnight. And uh apologize for calling me that late. But said there's a family here that wants you to come and pray. Uh, they're they're not uh, in the Catholicism. It's not a last rites prayer. They just want you to come and pray for comfort. Uh, their mother and grandmother will, will probably be gone when you get here. And I get to the hospital, and there's this lady named Vera, just out of it, just laying there, barely breathing. And uh, the doctor told me to just be minutes, and she'll be gone. And, and I don't know. Uh, I knew her. She was a babysitter for my mother when we were kids. And so I knew the lady. And we gathered around her bed, and I told the children and grandchildren, let's thank God for all the memories you got with Grandma and Mom. And then for some reason, I said, God, show yourself strong to this family and, and touch Vera. Her name was Vera. And that was the end of the prayer. And I sat with the family another hour, and she's still just barely breathing. And finally, the chaplain said, well, Pastor, go back home. I'll call you when it's over, and you can come and and comfort the family when it's over. Because it it might linger. She was already supposed to have been gone. Seven in the morning, I called the hospital, and they said, you ain't going to believe it. The chaplain said, Vera's setting up talking to her family. She lived seven more years after that. I'm telling you, God's a miracle worker. When the doctors give you up, he knows how to give you a second chance. I thought about preaching a sermon here. God believes in U-turns. You can turn your life around. You don't have to continue to be in sin and, and be addicted to drugs and alcohol and all the other things that are so prevalent in our world today. God allows a U-turn. You can ask God to forgive you, and God will forgive you. And you can allow yourself to let Brother Simonson baptize you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of those sins. And God will fill you with the Holy Ghost. I could go on with miracles for the next hour. We've had so many, but God's been good. To God be the glory. It's not us. It's God. God bless you right now is my prayer. So good to have 
Brother Alfred Deeds with us tonight on this radio show. We're running out of time. Just going to give you a little information on how to get a hold of us during the week. This is Pastor Bob with the New Life Pentecostal Church in Dickinson. Our next service is Wednesday night, 7.30. The address is 501 Elks Drive. And then on Sundays at 10 o'clock is Sunday school and adult Sunday school and Bible classes, uh, uh, basic Bible class that I teach every Sunday morning. Love to have you come. If you got questions on the Bible, that starts at 10, from 10 to 11. And then at 11 o'clock is our worship service every Sunday. We also have two daughter works that we are starting. Uh, we've got a daughter work in Beach, North Dakota, and that's two, right now just a Tuesday night service at the Beach Community Center, 730. And then we're working on purchasing a building. We should close on that in a couple of weeks, and then we'll remodel that and have Sunday services out there also. And then in Bowman, Thursday nights, 730, and Sunday mornings at 1030, and that's at 18 North Main in Bowman, right there on Main Street, a, a, a storefront that we've turned into a church, and uh, just a great young man there also that's doing that. We've got also got a church in Beulah, the, um, uh, that's the Truth Community Church up there, so um, we'd love to have you come to that. Uh, just so thankful that you've been listening tonight. I'm going to have Brother Deeds pray for our listening audience just before we leave the air. Uh, so good to have you again in Dickinson, Brother Deeds. So good to have you on the radio with us. Why don't you go ahead and just pray a prayer over this listening audience tonight? Gracious God, we're so thankful for your mercy and how good you've been to us through the years. I'm asking you to reach out with that tender love that only you can produce and touch every listener tonight. Let them know beyond the shadow of a doubt you're still there to help them and then you're just one prayer away. So God, we ask you to bless this audience with a very special touch of your presence. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you again, again, Brother Deeds, and uh, maybe we'll have you back here when you turn 80. God bless you folks. Be back next week, next Sunday night, for another Tell It Like It Is radio program. Good night. Have you always wanted to have a program on the radio? If you can talk on the phone, you can have your very own program on Holy Ghost Radio 2. You can produce your program or we can help you produce it. For more information, tap on the ad panel on our app or contact us through our website, www.holyghostradio.com. The preceding program was brought to you by an independent producer. The opinions expressed on the program do not necessarily reflect those of the staff, management, or ownership of Holy Ghost Radio.